to the podcast, the Polarized Podcast, the podcast for all your polarizing movie needs. I am your host, the forever guest, James. Uh, here we talk about polarizing movies, movies that are divisive on Rotten Tomatoes, according to audiences and critics. They disagree on these movies. Uh, some find it rotten, some find it fresh. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll have a rotten by the critics or a fresh by the audience or vice versa. These are the movies that we like to talk about. Um, this week is our second time doing a musical. It is a musical slash biography, according to Ron Tomatoes from 2017, The Greatest Showman. You've clicked on the podcast. You should know. If not, uh, let me give you those numbers. We got a rotten 56% by the critics, like just rotten, almost fresh. 60% is the cutoff point, but critics were very lukewarm on this one. And the uh, audience is a, a very solid 86 and a 30% differential in between the two. Um, you know, there's some commentary on critics within this movie. And, I, and this is something that I, I thought was almost echoed within the scores upon this Rotten Tomato website of ours. And I'm thinking in the time that this movie was made, there would probably be both rotten and fresh tomatoes being thrown at this P.T. Barnum fellow and his group of performers by some people that were not approving of what he and his compatriots were doing on the stage, that being one the main critic within this movie. Um, but before I go any further into tomatoes and the effects on circus performers, as well as movies about circus performers, let me relieve you of my singular hosting duty and bring in someone to lighten my my load here and bring uh a true almost ring master energy and not only his performance as a podcaster but also his name that name being the great brandini welcome him in pt brandini how hey, are Brandini how are in you the house? How are you James, today? Let me just, I'm doing well. Let's just say I've lost my mind. So call me crazy. I'm living in the a world that's of my own design and I am excited to be here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in. Come on in. <laughs> Welcome all it, you polar bears you out say, there. You should greet everybody like that. Can you say that one more time? Is uh, that, yeah. What line is that from the movie? I forget. Oh, it's a uh, part of my favorite song on the uh, to to bury the lead a million dreams. It's the uh, lyrics uh, for it, and yeah, just overall it gets the vibe of this movie, the vibe of that I'm feeling. It is fun, um, and yeah. So I'll say it again. I just <laughs> I, you can say I've lost my mind, so call me crazy, but I'm living in a world of my own design. So <laughs> that is what. Uh, now, now you really have me thinking about it because it, it is you make your own happiness as well, kind yeah. of in this world with with uh, P.T. Sure. Barnum as well. He kind of he comes to a point near near the end of this movie where he kind of has to reassess his priorities and realize where true happiness resides. Um, and by yes. his, by his own design, he has to redesign and re upholster his his life into into. Uh, Absolutely. Something, something different as with the other meaning of whatever trip you're going on, man. But like the his uh, his fellow performers and everything there, they have to deal with uh, hardcore prejudice. Yeah. Can I uh, propose the question to you, James? Have you ever uh, created 
a world of your own design? I think it's, you know, it's necessary. I think that you make your own bed and you sleep in it every night, you know, symbolically and, and literally you make your own bed and literally Question. not every day, but when I do, it's a, it's usually a better day. So I think it, I think it's, it's good to do. Uh, and you should do it because I think, think uh, do you think P.T. Barnum makes his bed every day? I think his bed is made out of circus tent material or he like cre- he like it's like a, can- That's a, a canvas. The he like, made out of? Yeah. yeah, he like goes into his bedroom and it's almost like a mosquito net situation, but it's red and there's like frilly things. And, uh, you oh, know, OK, maybe there's uh, some animals, uh, circus animals that are there there with him that he has to feed or, or maybe it's a big, yeah, definitely maybe, it's, maybe it's yeah. a big bed or, or something. And, you know, maybe all the performers, you know, sometimes share, share it sometimes. I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going, I'm, I'm going too far into maybe uh shady nightmare alley sort of uh, thinking, which is another movie okay, that I was yeah. thinking about. That's the name of it, right? The Bradley Cooper, uh, one, the Camera del Toro, which yeah. is like, this 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 the same movie on the different side of the coin of like the all the bad stuff and Absolutely. this is like all the empowering like good yeah stuff. so anybody uh, out but there i wanted that was- I, I wanted to shoot the question back at you because i just went off on i don't know where yep. where my uh my loopy head is at uh today but do you i wanted to re- send that question back your way great great brandini do you uh because i yeah i just think that's something that you make the world, you know, that you let your perspective and everything, you have to cherish it, your, your, your self-worth and how you, uh, your internal monologue and how you take care of yourself and how you view the world. It's like, there, there's a lot of subconscious elements to that, that, you know, you may not always consciously be aware of that. You kind of have to, whether it's meditation, yoga, or whatever, you know, you're, you're certain you got to, find ways to release it, you know, singing or dancing or, or whatever it is and community. Um, and I think your self-talk and your perspective is inevitably influenced by things that are beyond our understanding as well. So I think to, you have to cherish your, uh, your perspective. And I think that's how I view like design of your own own life. Cause it really is such an outlook thing, you know, and when uh, you know, everyone's, problems with everyone has problems and and can be very relative you know everyone's everyone's got their got their battles they got to go through but um the one thing that you can somewhat control is your outlook so i think that is my interpretation of that question but now that i've rambled about it how how would you uh address that question of living in the world of your own design is is that how you put it yeah, that is how I would put it. So to build off of that, because, yeah, I mean, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the capability of thinking about life in a particular way that you wanted and how do you achieve those goals. And it's so much of like in order to become a P.T. Barnum, which, you know, this movie doesn't get into is it takes a lot of struggle and strife to get there. Not to say that there isn't some of that present in this movie, but there's not a lot of it present in it. And like in order to really get to a place that you want to get to, you have to think about that reality on a daily basis and you have to, um, 
and, and not in a way that's like a rise and grind mentality. Like you don't have to just like, you know, necessarily get at it, you know, with a fervor every day. It could be because if you're thinking about the world in a particular way, especially the way that you want it. And that's the key point here is like thinking about what the world can be in the way that you want it to be, because the world overall is so much of, like you said, you like your own perspective. And so you have the ability to shape your, shape your perspective however you want to. That's the beauty of existence. If to pull from David Foster Wallace is like the greatest thing that we have to do is to think about anything else, like anything that makes you upset or makes you frustrated, you have in your capacity to think about anything else. And I don't want to, and, and that's not in a way of escapism it's just about thinking about what if that person or what if things happen differently and how would i react to that and then when you start to put all of those pieces together about when you think about how a situation can unfold in multiple ways you realize that there's a whole host of ways that things have the potential to happen every single moment and me wanting them and enough to feel a particular way, it really requires me to think about all of the ways that that situation can happen, because it gives me the like ammunition to go like, well, if that, that thing happened in this way, then that's probably how that person feels about that. And it, it pulls me out of and pulls should pull anybody out of Oh, I'm just thinking about how this is what that person is thinking about, or this is what that situation is about. And when you start approaching it from different perspectives, then it really empowers you to think like, oh, it isn't my, it, it, I don't, I, I was going to say it isn't my fault, but it can be your fault at times, but it, there are a multitude of possibilities for things that happen in your life. And it doesn't have to always be your fault. And so just consider things in a way that they are happening, whether you kind of understand it or not. And those are, and maybe just put yourself to that. And to bring it back to this movie is, is that life can be so much of what you make it, just like your perspective matters in the situations that happen, whether it be a small situation or a large situation, your perspective matters. And that is going to drive you and guide you in a particular direction. And so people who have, a perspective like P.T. Barnum, you it's almost like when, you know, it, it, it's the type of attitude where and way of looking at life that possibilities are relatively endless. It's me seizing upon those opportunities. And I would just implore people to think about life in that way. When it, you seem like you don't have a lot of possibilities, you do. It's just your inability to think about those situations. So just, you know, like understand that and then think about it some more because I think, and I don't want to be like, you know, you're not thinking about this right or be um, dismissive of anybody, but just understand that you have the capacity to think about life, however you want to think about it. And the way that you think about life is going to affect what happens in life. And I put that in air quotes because a thing can happen and mean a lot of things. And so just understand that. And it, it doesn't have to necessarily be the most straightforward. Usually, oftentimes it is, but just understand perspective matters. And yeah, the attitude that P.T. Barnum has about his own life is a huge part of this movie. And there is definitely something infectious about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I was going to say it will have an effect not only on, yeah, you and your perspective, but, you know, ripple effect, butterfly effect, if you know what I mean, to your mm. community and, and the people around you. And I think that infectious quality of his perspective uh, was something that was infectious in my mind as the viewer uh, watching this movie and seeing the portrayal of P.T. Barnum while I don't know much about the actual guy and, and who he was. But judging by how they portrayed him in this movie, he does seem kind of like a Steve Jobs sort of if Steve Jobs was in the circus or something or this kind of like uh, almost, I don't know, like Edis, yeah, Edis, Edis, right. Thomas Edison with the heart of gold or even like Howard Hughes, like these like these obsessives that are but more in like an artistic sense, like te like Tesla, except in, in, you know, artistic or something or um you know me or i could just like li list like an an artist <laughs> instead of like picasso or some shit but like i just don't know enough or i'm not cultured enough to know enough about him but his portrayal in this movie seemed yeah it's it's somebody who is that big ideas kind of person you know and and how they celebrate creativity and expression of art and being different um, you know, is something that is also infectious that I think people who do flock to musicals uh, can relate with that as well. And, you know, even from personal experience being in, you know, the theater kid in high school and all, and all that stuff, it's like, it's something that I, I have a real connection with when I see the chemistry that's formed between not, you know, just like the, the performance on performances on screen. And when you go see live, uh, live stage work and, and everything too. It just kind of hits different. And, uh, you know, while I'm kind of jump, jumping all around, uh, I think, yeah. What, what do you think of this, this, uh, expression of like an on stage sort of performance transferred to screen? Like was, this was a stage play before this was, you know, was this on Broadway? Was this something that was I don't I don't think so. No, yeah, I'm not no, sure. No. About, OK, so this is the, the writers and the music come from Broadway mm -hmm. at this time. But this wasn't a Broadway play before that. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, but like, what are your feelings on like uh, musicals and like uh, and, uh, and, 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 and for that matter, musicals that are movie musicals? Because it's yeah, it's one thing to see a stage play and everything. But then there's that discussion of like, how does that transfer and how does that express itself sure. on screen. We talked about rent, which is maybe a, you know, a, a better example of that sort of thing. Um, but just kind of, yeah, I was just kind of curious about, yeah. Any, any of your favorite musicals as well. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe we I talked about this on rent, but I'm down. To yeah, I think I was going to say, I think I was relatively positive on rent because I do like, I do like that. And because it has contemporary music in it that I find enjoyable because fundamentally for me in order, I do like musicals and like, I like Greece. Um, yeah. I like a, I like Jesus Christ superstar. Yeah. But I'm not like totally enthralled with it. Um, but I really, you know, also like the music in this uh, because it is a really good example of bringing contemporary music into a musical, which I think is like, it can be a tough thing because I, th uh, a musical as a genre can have a particular type of sound that it gets easily labeled with, which is what I'm doing to a degree, but like 
a musical sounds a particular way and musicals that are really effective to me are the ones that it adds a sense of contemporary, like what I'm listening to currently outside of that in a way that is effective. And so, yeah, I, what is my favorite musical though, to go back to the question you're asking, God. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so definitive. I mean, yeah, if you, you enjoy musicals and it's, it's hard to be put on the spot with that. I mean, if it helps you jog your memory, like mine is probably like singing in the rain with like sound of music being, being somewhere mixed in there as well. And like some, you know, but for us, it's like a lot of them were like Disney animated movies, right? Yeah, a big deal to us growing up, at least me in in Aladdin and Lion King and Little Mermaid. And that's kind of almost what I relate with musicals as growing up. That's what it was, was cartoon people or animals like singing these things. And sometimes when you see live action, it's, it, uh, it's hard to, really digest how intensely overacted is it is it seems like because they're playing for the back row even though you're sitting right in front of your screen you're like whoa Hugh Jackman that smile's gonna just pop out of my screen <laughs> oh <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> oh wow um could you imagine yeah I was I don't know I was, but I was just trying to think of like any any others that would pop uh because i'm like we're not experts for that matter but what was what was the jonathan larson one called tick tick boom i mean that was amazing as far as you mentioned contemporary music we were talking about it earlier and and within that rent episode that is either that or grace as far as contemporary musicals that have come out recently and as far as music goes i that i can't Mm, think of a a better one because you know i i like rent a lot but the music and the and the sonically and the and the type of music that it's hearkening to is not my favorite. And as much as I warmed up to this movie and ended up enjoying it, there is some music moments within this that I found like not my jam. Yeah, where sure. it was like, yeah, kind of the arena rock imagine dragons kind of sounding yeah, stuff. Sure. Like whereas Classic, Rent, yeah. Rent was kind of like the Creed sort of uh sure nickelback sort of uh, stuff that was popular at that time. While sure. it is contemporary and that's what's popular now. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that's what's going to get people in. And it's like, this is a retelling of a, of a, well, I guess it's a, it's a biography biopic sort of thing, but it's like telling it in a contemporary way, kind of Bosler. I thought this movie was done by Bosler. And I was convinced. I don't think I might've mentioned last were, week. I'm like, Oh, it's a Bosler joint. Let's like, you mentioned on the, on the, yeah. I'm on record. Of, too. Yeah. I'm on record of being very, like, it's very, a very wrong. Uh, but this is, yeah, may, way more Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, that, like you said, Lin-Manuel but Miranda, yeah. it's that, con- it's that contemporary spin on something that's classic. Like this movie starts like a Moulin Rouge, uh, like Moulin Rouge kind of does almost too. Yeah. And, uh, it's like a cold opening almost. That's very the overture. Then there's like kind of, a, it's kind of like the mm. overture almost of like getting you in into right. the, the movie. Um, which is, I mean, I, I guess, a let's get a into great it. place yeah. to start. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. uh, it's like, yeah, it is like an overture and, um, it kind I, of I like stomp ask is, is sure. my note about it mm-hmm. where, Oh, I thought cause it, and it intimidated me a little arena bit. marching I was band like, sort of. Oh, this is going to be very generic in an imagine dragons way, which I, I can understand you describing whoa, it like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It sounds like a car commercial. Yeah, for sure. 
where JD Power and Associates would recommend. <laughs> Do you ever want to ride free? And also, too, I think why that was off-putting, and this is going to be my thread throughout my criticism of this movie as we talk about it, is that the direction visually of this movie isn't appealing to me, and that would it, it ends up being the shortcomings of this, is that the way that this is shot does seem like a car commercial oh. and isn't interesting. It's mm-hmm. very just, like, uh, not perfunctory, but like... Uh, there's like a sheen to it. There's like yeah. a, glo- a glossy uh, like sort of oversaturation, like, like poopy movie filmmaker aspect to it. Yeah. Kind of like foreground to background. Isn't like the contract. It's all kind of like muddy a, l- a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And a lot yes. of like interesting choice uses of CGI, which we'll get into as well, which kind of muddies things up. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, getting into it though, like we're starting off the movie with, um, the greatest show, right? And they, yeah, it's in the song, the name of the, or like they sing about it. Like this is the greatest yeah. show. This is the greatest show. And we get a fever dream, if you will, of all of the players that are going to be prominent in the movie mm-hmm. as we are part of a dream sequence of Hugh Jackman as the greatest showman for the greatest showman song uh, already kind of reached his apex as, you know, a very, you know, showing things before they're going to happen type situation. Very. It's smart because can you imagine if they just started immediately with like child abuse was like the first scene, because that's what happens right after this is like, and, and like the whole love story and everything. And that's, you know, and then, then there's a different song there, but this, yeah, is like overture introduction gets you, pumped up riled up to see what's going to happen also it's very stomping queen-esque everybody's like we're gonna fucking do this type attitude and he's in the tent it's like and that's one of those things i don't know how much i want to criticize it for this but this is just something that you know very it's very maybe an overly subjective take but it's like i would have liked to see maybe a little more circus stuff i don't i know you see like a good amount but like the way this movie ends was just like I almost want that to be like the end of the first half and then to be like, let's get him on that traveling circus and see how yeah, life on the road sure. with the circus. I mean, he's kind of on the road doing the opera thing or whatever. She's not an actual but it'll be opera he's singer. doing the opera thing. Yeah, for sure. Because the so circus like, stays like the tra- home. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very bizarre because uh-huh. he also ends up going on this like love affair tour that ends up resulting in nothing. But we'll get there mm-hmm. um, for sure. But yeah, like there were things about this movie at the start, I will say, that were kind of concerning. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I'm going to like this because yeah. I don't think a. I just, yeah, again, I think of now because it's a been adopted which maybe is almost to the credit of this movie and the credit of broadway to a degree that is such a pro uh, genitor of what car commercials are going to be because <laughs> I, love, I love that you're talking so much about car commercials this is great. That's, such a, like, that's such a great comparison i love it uh because there's just these there is such an understanding of contemporary music in the score and in the music of this movie where you just, again, like, I feel like I'm going to say it a thousand times. So sorry, all you polar bears out there, but like, uh, and this movie can sound like imagine dragons. 
there are moments of the soundtrack that are so incredibly corporate, like Muzaki now, because they just were the prevailing popular sounds of this time. And then they just kind of got adopted into, because that's what happens is, is that obviously advertisers want to appeal to people. So in order to do that, they pair sounds with images. And so they're going to pair sounds that are really popular with images that are a lot, you know, have their brand featured. And so then that is like, the you know the lifespan of popular music is it will go to that and then you're like well this sucks now because i'm sick and tired of being sold a bill of goods on things i don't give a fuck about that sound like this now and you make those strong associations for sure Mm -hmm. and that is an aspect of this movie as well but it does have a under like from a songwriting perspective or just musically, it does also know like it, it knows how to elicit emotion through those contemporary like tropes or whatever effectively. Like it just, it it gets that this is what a pump up sound sounds like and it gets it. Yeah. And then to the, I agree. I agree with that. And then to a fault where, my criticism would be is that they tend to it's okay if you have an empowering sort of song and and maybe even a couple but there's like all of the songs kind of has this pump up arena rock empowering song sort of feel so it all starts to sound same same as you work through a lot of the songs and so even some of the better ones don't stand out as much because there's not as much of a variety going in between from song to song Um, arguably though then that plays to the strength of the ballad that's in the middle of this movie because it's consistent throughout um uh, the ballad with the 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 uh, love ballad or the the swedish singer oh right where it kind of slows down a bit right yeah Yeah. it slows down a bit and then we've had right because a a criticism of the movie is very much like michelle williams song as well it's that's where kind of changes up but continue that that happens yeah even later after that because yeah yeah, so just again to go back to this movie and its structure just so we can really talk about the songs and i'm like down to sing some of them you said said that you might have like a you know backing uh track with the vocals yeah just you Uh, let me know and you know we'll be uh you know we're we're a very casual podcast here so we'll we'll try to make it make it work audit audio uh audio audio torally. Audio, audio torally. <laughs> that's how casual we are is we don't even use uh we can use words, real words right? <laughs> hell yeah forgive me folks fun- my brain is jelly uh but yes. yeah so so we cold open do you want to talk about um kid version of uh of pt barnum where he's you know his first name is phineas right and phineas, he's called phineas yeah. and, and <laughs> finn and pt uh, you know, it's kind of like Death Stranding a little bit, you know, uh, those are BTs, my, my mistake. Good Lord. If I, there's any I hardcore polar bears out there, that is the deepest cut you will ever get out yeah, of us. Yeah, that reference is, is like the is greatest like, showman Death Stranding fans out there. That's if you, if you're the Nexus, <laughs> like we are, cause that's who we, that's, that's like, that's like five people. <laughs> yeah. That's like us. And I, I'm not sure. Actually, I, I can't even cite any other. But I hope you're, we're in good polar bear company here. Uh, I hope so too, because but, we've talked about Death Stranding being one of like it is the weirdest fucking video game you can play. 
but it is one of the most rewarding video games you can play. So just anybody out there, we, I'm not going to, we don't have to get into that. That'll be for another time. Yeah. But I mean, if Kojima uh, starts making real fucking movies and they have a production company and they just start putting out, Oh my God, sign me up for the death stranding movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. 110%. But we'll, let's get, we'll get back to this. We'll, uh, yeah. with, the uh, children versions where we get, you know, the, yeah. The, so the, we get the, this the love class story system. Intro- introduction. Yeah. First, uh, meta- or sorry. Uh, uh, montage of many yeah so to go into the montage if we could just play uh intro to a million dreams because that's so just to set this up is uh so we this movie moves very quickly it is a tight movie it is uh filled with songs and they're arguably could be more time spent on maybe some of the problems that are going on in society or um, the people involved in the story, I would argue as well, could use more time spent um, in conversation. But the way that it starts off is it just, it kind of, it already gets you going with the stomping shows you that there's a, uh, he's already PT Barnum is already imagining what the world is going to be like when he is the greatest showman. And so then we go into to just set up very brief backstory, because I think uh, just like the movie treats it, I can set it up pretty, uh, pretty well. And briefly is P.T. Barnum came from a father and no mother. Uh, His father was a uh, a suit maker. And that's why he has such a wonderful suit. And but he is a servant to really rich people. And he's the tailor's boy. The movie starts off with P.T. Barnum being the tailor's boy, and he already has a great sense of humor and makes the girl who ends up being Michelle Williams laugh. And by faking that, he's also doing uh, uh, not courtesy, but um, training to be uh, etiquette training. Mm-hmm. And, and he's then, just kind of messing with her and makes her spit out her tea. And, and I thought a very cute scene, but then he gets smacked upside the head. Right. Um, Gets immediately physically assaulted by the father mm -hmm. to show you a little bit of what the time is. And, you know, I'll say right now before we start getting into this, because I'm so fucking excited about singing Melon Dreams. But. This movie attempts to tackle period piece stuff and the way that it does it is interesting because the physical abuse of a father to a child is very striking. Um, But there are also other very heavy issues that it attempts to do and doesn't get too bogged down by it. And uh, to I'll say, like, James, I don't know about you, but like you could show a pretty young kid this movie, right? Yeah, I don't I don't see why not. I mean, especially the the themes (laughs) and there's no I can't I can't think of any part that is. That would be upsetting enough to a child because the what the residing conclusion to all of the themes is one of acceptance. Uh And those who are vilified are right, rightfully vilified. And even so much so as P.T. Barnum halfway through the movie is vilified as well. And the movie in a way, but he never even caves on refocuses on, you know, other characters and in such an empowering sort of way, hence empowering songs. It it works for many, many of the songs, just not, you know, when it's every single one, but 
And then the, the way the movie comes around and community, it's just all excellent messages. And I can't think of anything that's overtly adult that would, uh, that would be wrong to, to show a child this at all. No. Yeah. So what would you say like is the youngest that you could show this to? I would go first and say that the youngest kid that I could show this to is seven, eight. Yeah. I was going to say like eight, eight, I feel like would be, would be fine. It's a circus, you know, and it's, it's songs and it's like music that would be played on the radio and and Uh on popular radio, they would play these songs. And I'm, I'm, I would, uh, you know, the, the, the big song, uh, this is me that that's, that's the one. Right. I feel mm-hmm. like that one would play on the radio on like, and this is on Disney plus. I watched yeah. this on Disney plus. It, this is uh, an amazing Disney plus movie. A Disney plus. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Put the, like, like it is, it presents certain things, but never really challenges it. And yeah. it just cranks along with fun songs. Okay. And so like, I mean, like it, if you got, you got Hamilton on there, I mean, this fits like within that same realm. Oh my of, God. This of, is a of viewing. If anything, kids would be more inclined to watch something that's more visually interesting than, a, than the stage play at this moment. That is Hamilton. But I, I don't know. I could, I could be proven wrong. My, my niece loves, uh, I think loves Hamilton. So you should show your niece this if you have, oh, I'm sure she'd be, she'd get a kick out of this. Yeah. She likes, uh, we, we've, we sang Moana together, which some of the right. music in this, <laughs> uh, movie reminds me a lot of that. I mean, it came out like a year in, uh, before or after. Um, yeah. And she loves the, uh, what's it called? Yeah. This I know. No. yeah Um, that's where she's like uh, rising to the occasion yeah dude she's Uh, taking off on her oh i love that song too because i just love adventures and journeys and uh she's like going to prove something but also when she's uh, that's such a good place to be as as the hero of a story to be like they don't want me to do this but i have to do it and it's going to be for the help of everyone. And also I will gain a greater understanding of the world around me and myself. Right. Like there's so much char- charged into that song and so much good setup into that, that moment as well. Um, great movie. That's a great movie. Uh, so I'm going to, I was going to show a little bit of this, uh, million dream song. If you want to sing along, Brandon, feel free. Just as, for a viewer heads up, it's going to be, there's going to be a delay when you, when you do sing, but I'm going to play like uh, 30 seconds or so. We usually don't play music. I don't know how copyright stuff works, but if we kind of sing over it that might be better because then it'll uh be better for us yeah just include <laughs> only my vocals oh, before you start that that'll be right oh just oh take away the i'll start i'll start the song a little bit and uh right now while while brandon's uh uh taking a little mini mini break and we'll get a get a feeling of this this is um this is the beginning of this is the Young P.T. Barnum singing here. It was the first of many montages. And there's like kind of cutting back and forth between uh, young P.T. and young Michelle Williams. The big like bass drum hits. Bam! A lot of marching band stuff. Let me see if I can. I might gonna try to fast forward a bit to see if I can get to like the chorus here. Let's see. Could be a vision 
Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, and then there's a reprise even after this, too, of this chorus, yep. Million Dreams. And then she gets her, her own verse, I believe, right, as well? Or she just kind of gets cut in. She, they're kind of singing back and forth, showing a montage of them growing up. And then by the end, it's uh, he's grown up and this shows the passage of time and yep. um, moves along briskly. Yep. <laughs> and gets you into, and as for a musical, it's like montages just work so well because if you're going to play a song, uh, you can easily, if, and a lot of songs in, in, in this movie too, it's like, there's not much happening in some of the songs where it's like, Oh, the narrative narr narration of the plot has just kind of halted. And now they're just going to sing a song about what's already happening that you already know. But then there's some songs where actually, Oh, there is like a growth or a change happening in this. And typically I think it is done best in like, or most obviously in a, in a montage setting. Um, did you catch some of that Brandini? Did not. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear a bit more? Yeah. And then, yeah, that's, uh, if you uh, start it. Oops. What's that? No, no, start it there. Oh, this is where Hugh Jackman comes in. It's all it's going to take. Million dreams for the world we're gonna make. Big, however small, let me be a part of it all. Oh, hell yeah! That's in it, in it, it. I think that's a great. Um, that's where you know this movie. I'm constantly just warming up throughout throughout <laughs> the whole the whole thing uh, to the point uh, where yeah, it's just it just keeps getting better. I think you know at the beginning I you mentioned earlier. It's like I'm kind of concerned about what's going to happen here with like all the music and uh, what it's going to be. Um, but it just kind of gets better and better. And I think I warm up to the, to the type of music as it goes along. And also I know I say it's a lot of same, same throughout, but all, the choruses have moments of being like very catchy and uh, yeah, because I mean, and, and obviously empowering, but effectively empowering. Yeah. Sure, because you brought it up already. Like, this is a really great example of like why uh, musical Disney movies from your Aladdins, your Jungle Books, your uh, really just a period of Disney filmmaking, animated filmmaking at the time, is that those songs are a slap. You know, I know it's a more up to date colloquial, but like, there's those songs slap because those songs sounded like what was popular at a time in a way that they uh, didn't feel like stuffy or weird. It's not too theatrical, but it is. And it's just, it's got, it encapsulates so much of like what makes a musical and what makes a musical song and what also makes a relatively good song at this time sound like. And but it's those, just, I mean, those, those musicals, especially Disney ones are very, yeah, I think they are very theatrical and catering to that sure. sort of Broadway uh, sensibility. sensibility. And, and, and again, it's like, I don't know if this is possible if Jonathan Larson didn't fucking exist. Like he, he is the one who I think 
brought is the progenitor yeah, of all of this contemporary music Absolutely. into the into the sphere That's why of, he's the best. of musicals and Broadway, especially it's like right. pe- people were like Rent itself. I think was polarizing at the time. I think for some of the highbrow people, right. of, like you can't do rock and roll and uh, fucking you know our high art status. But sort no, of place it's, or, I would argue, and then now you get the edge doing the you know very successful spider-man <laughs> musical <laughs> no what i uh, to, uh, in the sphere of discussion of rent and jonathan larson is and again everybody should go see tick tick boom please it's great. i want to um, watch it i should watch it again but i don't know there's like There's something about a person who understands emotion well that they crib things that are popular and sound and bring it to uh, musicals that when it works, it fucking really works. Mm-hmm. And I can, yeah, I don't, it's nice. It's nice when a musical is something that is, yeah, I don't know, something you want to just listen to on its own. Yeah. And I, and is like, hits, hits you in the moment, how it's supposed to hit you. And those emotions start rising so, so naturally because of the music and music has such a great ability to invoke emotion just through passage, like a arrangement of notes and, and chords and everything like that. And mm-hmm. when it hits, you don't have, there's no there's no decision in that you forget you're watching a movie and you're caught up in it and you forget you forget what's going on in your life or you are so everything resonates so well with what's going on in your life that you're just you're caught up and I would be lying if I say that didn't happen in this movie for me too it's like there's right. and it's just uh I think yeah Disney's very su- successful on that I think it fits on the Disney Plus uh model for yeah. sure um but this uh this brings us into adult P.T. Barnum, and it's kind of just like this is this first half. Yeah, I think is the more biographical sort of side. I, I feel like of more focused directly on P.T. Barnum and his upbringing, yeah, which and, is uh, you know right. his, his rise into the decisions that lead him to naturally so to being uh, you know circus and- circus master of uh, oddities and uh, a real Ripley of the real Ripley's. Believe it or not, if if you know what I mean. That's what they oh, should have called it, P.T. Barnum's Believe It or Not. Yeah, and I think also, too, this is fundamentally the a big problem with the critics is that P.T. Barnum is a hoaxer. He is a person who manipulates people for his own sense of wealth, but also enjoyment. And I think this movie definitely focuses on the enjoyment that he gets from entertaining people, which is obviously the, the play that you take in a movie like this, but it's understandable why the critics would go, well, here's a huckster that um, also said that like his success really is predicated on stupid people liking simple things. And so you, it paints that figure in this movie as such a, uh zealot and um purveyor of the arts but there was so much more of taking advantage of those things Mm. in his actual life and so 
you also, as a critic, want to dig deeper into society and what's going on, because something also, too, is like, and I would love for us to have a moment break to hear this song is, you know, we're we're talking about uh, P.T. Barnum as a as a human man, and he defrauds the bank. He uh, we meet him and he is like working for this weird loan situation that I don't quite get where He's working for a company that has ships in the South China Sea, which is another movie, James, that the goddamn South China Sea comes up. And you're, I, when I heard that, I was like, there has been so much shit that has happened in the South China Sea. I swear to God. Wait, <laughs> like, what, what else are you referencing? Oh, I'm referencing uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is another Death Stranding Greatest Showman Nexus uh, reference. <laughs> but right. yes, now it, the, the, and what, what starts that movie again is like, oh, the, or it's like the, the meteorites of, of a certain part of China or all of China or something is what he, he wants. What is that? What starts it is something that happens in the South China sea. I forget. Oh, he, well, okay. So he wants meteorites a la, uh, Steve jobs. But what happens is, is that he is reporting in, we're talking about James Bond for all, you know, anybody listening, uh, for all I know, James Hugh Bond. Jackman would be a great James Bond. Oh my God, he would. He would also be be a great villain. He's a great actor. Can I just say? I wanted to get to that next. Finish your thought and then I want to talk about Hugh Jackman. Okay, let's talk. uh, Yeah, I would love to talk about the Hugh Jackman of it all. But uh, so in Tomorrow Never Dies, (laughs) there is a, so uh, Price or Pierce, the media mogul who wants to have all media rights in, Jonathan Price in China he has a stealth ship that like oh, yeah. destroys military ships in the South China Sea. Right. And then he reports on them before it happens because right. he's controlling it. And he like attributes know? blame to whatever country he will right. start World yeah. War Three, and he can uh, he just wants it so he can get them. He can cover it better than anyone he can cover else. it better than anybody it's else. It's like if Fox News was just going to like <laughs> start a war. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh, uh, God. Uh, yeah, so yeah tomorrow never dies it's but the big it really got me thinking after everything everywhere all at once seen michelle yo she's amazing in in that movie amazing just uh the best um yeah so the movie's the best hugh jackman can i highlight how much i like hugh jackman in Mm -hmm, some of my favorite performances of his because while this one may not be my favorite of his he's having a great time that's that's great i'm for the most part him as well um, this is just musical side of Hugh Jackman, but I like tortured, more a little more subtle Prisoner, Jackman. Yeah. Prisoners, yeah. the fountain. The okay, my, these yeah. are my three. Prisoners, you you got that one. The fountain, and then of mm-hmm. course a movie similar to this one, but the darker version, The Prestige. Yeah, uh huh. Where he's a showman as well, and right, he's like dealing with the death of his wife, and he does fucked up shit uh you know him and christian bale going back that's my favorite nolan uh i love i love that is I your love, favorite nolan yeah it's i love what is your next favorite nolan next favorite nolan and mm, dark knight probably dark knight i would go inception then dark knight are my two yeah and then i'd probably go Inception. i wanted after to dark knight yeah because it's just hard for me with to put i want to put dark knight at number one 
but it's like a superhero thing, which like kind of fucks me up a little bit because I'm like, it's a story that's been told already. Like inception is so him Mm -hmm. and so what he's doing and making up things like Mm -hmm. that's what takes it to the next level for me Mm -hmm. because like, yeah, I mean, dark Knight is the greatest superhero movie of all time. Like, so it's definitely as a Christopher Nolan movie, obviously going to be in the top, but yeah, I think inception one, then I go, Dark Knight, then I go Interstellar, then I go, then I go, um, Tenet? I do. Prestige? I like like, like Tenet a lot. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, so it's like a three-way tie from Batman Begins, Tenet, and The Prestige. What do I label them as? Okay, off the cuff, this is what I do. Uh I go, uh I go Tenet. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Batman begins. Yep. Prestige. And then Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, definitely. All right. If I can, I'll try to <laughs> well, do no, But like, I don't know. I think uh, the following is good. Yeah, but no, I mean, but it's not better, that's yeah, not better than, sure. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. It's been a while since I've seen it. And it comes down with the mo- with movies like that is like rewatchability when it when it comes down to some of that stuff. And sure, I think Inception, totally. after watching it a few times, it is it is like really awesome but it is like it is one of those movies that almost kind of hinges it's not a twist but it hinges on like you uncovering the mystery of it and and getting it and then once that's figured out that process isn't as fresh each time you go through it has like a kind of diminish a little more diminishing return i would argue that the the directing uh, than dark knight dude this is splitting hairs this is picking our favorite children let me you don't have to argue with you're it right, about you're it right, you're, right, we're, we're, you're, you're right, talking you're about right. between right. two and three and you're trying to convince me to jump like three up to two it's not no, a big deal I'm you sorry. got dark knight one ahead of me so I'm it's sorry. just a, it's like everything go pros cons they're like all the same and it's like i'd probably watch dark knight more often that's all i'm saying <laughs> okay i'd probably <laughs> yeah. put dark knight on more often than inception even yeah. more so prestige like that's a movie that like i love to revisit has amazing performances and uh interstellar now that you bring that one up too is is uh probably number four and then uh we'll go with probably tenant and then dark knight rises am i no batman begins tenant dark knight rises probably finish it off for me if we're forgetting any then uh you know, you probably already turned this off. You, no, you probably already turned this off. You're like, why are they talking about Christopher Nolan so much? Um, we're talking about huge. I'm just saying like, at, because I think we're uh, just also really just so appreciative. Like, that's what we got into this with is just talking about the appreciation for his acting and then great actors that he's uh, great directors that he's worked with. And just an overall career for him that has just been absolutely wonderful. Like he is a absolute fucking delight. There have Mm -hmm. been movies that I've genuinely loved a metric ass load. And he in this movie can sing too, which is just so fascinating because obviously like my best acting performances aren't from people who can sing as well, but Hugh Jackman is in the echelon of top actors that I just like as actors. And he can also sing, and I can't really say that too much about anybody else. And it just really is a testament to his 
overall uh, faculties, his um, him being incredible as a person or gifted, I guess is a better way to put so it. So talented. Uh, yeah. He's I mean, so talented and he's extremely charming. And you know, this is his musical side. And uh, another one that he's done that I haven't seen is Les Miserables. Have you, have you ever seen that one? I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he's, yeah, it's very long and it's uh, Les Miserables is a musical that is you're singing what you're saying. So that's at, at in 2022 is tough. Like I like what the Les Miserables stands for. And I don't want to say that the singing is bad, but mm -hmm. when you are singing what you're talking, it just, it's, you know what, to bring back to the movie is it's kind of like the dwarf in this movie singing. It just is like this weird, like, uh, I don't like, uh, I, uh, a short person, whatever the, um, I'm sorry, the appropriate term is um, it's off putting, you know? <laughs> well, to bring that up, that goes back to my issue with its use of CGI. And I don't, uh -huh. I don't, un I just don't understand. And I'm not sure what stance to take. I just find it strange the decision that was made to use a little person, but then shrink the little person even shorter. Like the, the guy they used was, was, is a little taller than the, uh, how they depict him in the movie In the movie they, and there's the most obvious, I was like, there's something like CG and kind of off and like, kind of oh, like awful flo yeah. floaty about his face is like, yeah, it's like it's shrunk like down on his head and it's like <laughs> mapped onto his face. And then it's most notable where, uh, PT Barnum isn't, is like connecting back with them. At, at you know, like near the third act where they're meeting back at the bar and they're all like getting back together is he re steps over the bar and walks across the bar. And that part, it looks so floaty and weird. And for yeah. a movie that is about how you embrace outcasts and everything to see CGI, like mess with somebody's body like that was just off. Yeah. You said off putting, it was just found a strange decision to, to make when I, I just don't understand why you can't just have him be whatever size he is or find someone that's smaller. Or I, I just, I don't understand that decision it's and why, yeah, why sure. it had to be made, especially. Yeah. Again, in this, in this movie, I don't want to be so like on a high horse about it in terms of like what's right or wrong. I'm just saying it comes across weird, like visually and like he, it, totally it just in just a movie. It kind of just takes you out a bit of like, why? why? Um, yeah. It's, it's similar to, a thing I brought up to you and I, you know, is like in Dr. Strange, there is a uh, America as a character has a lot going on with her. And there's a lot of these ascribed things to her. And when she's moving through the story, you're just like, oh, it just it seems like you got a little bit too much going on. And it comes off as like disingenuous of like, Oh, maybe you should have just like simplified that person or uh, not done the CGI or not done the, like you're, you're hiring a person in a way that is trying to fit into a particular mold. And then you're going beyond that to make it seem like off putting and I agree that uh, the little person in this it has 
it's almost like uh, in G- in um, uh, Skyfall, you know, there's uh, James. Are on we doing the our bike. second James Bond <laughs> reference yeah. of, of the yeah. episode? <laughs> right. But James is on the motorcycle, and then obviously Daniel Craig isn't doing these action sequences. And then you're like, oh, but he can do those things, and it's such a physical bond, and it doesn't look good because you're just putting a face on this actor that isn't that actor. And then it's like you're adding so much more of this Jason Bourne. I don't want to get into my James Bond. Yeah, let's move on to to montage number two with him uh, gathering his his whole crew because you get the shipping. You know, all of our ships. This all started with the South China Sea. You don't do not get us started with the South South China Sea because then you'll we'll get into uh, James Bond territory. We'll get into who knows what. Um, But all the ships are donezo, business uh, kaput, and then he takes out a loan. The collateral being those ships, even though they're at the bottom of the sea. So he gets what, like a 10, I forget what the figure was, $10,000. Yeah. And then he opens up this uh, museum of oddities with his family. He is mainly wax figures and uh, taxidermied animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real. Yeah. Again, Ripley's believe it or not, if you know what I mean. And uh, doesn't really get much uh, attention, even though he's, he's dropping flyers. You can tell he's a real go-getter. for this uh this kind of new idea you can tell that is not really a common thing is is what you're gathering and it seems kind of like a dead on arrival business idea in terms of what their family say is there's no life to it there's nothing it's all wax and there's there's nothing uh, real about it the only people buying tickets are uh his wife and his daughters and so they get this, uh, I believe this is the second montage. I don't know if I'm missing another one. You get the second montage of him gathering the crew of uh, outcasts and circus performers. And it's not even called a circus yet, but he's gathering lady. gathering all of them. Uh, he sees the, he hears some beautiful singing. He, hears, he gets a tip because he's starting to put up flyers about looking for, uh, you know, anybody, interesting people oddity sort of uh, out, outcast or just uh anyone who has an interesting talent or anything like that and he finds uh gets a tip about a uh you just hear a beautiful sing singing voice and then you get the bearded lady you get a tattooed man you get the dog boy uh you get the you know the little person and this is all yeah, this wh- is all kind of yeah I, i'm forgetting there's got to be a song attached to this i'm sure but he's uh or, or maybe not but it's just uh the classic get the crew together sort of sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And his family is all extremely supportive. The daughters are like right there with him uh, the whole time. Totally. Very little friction, which is, yeah, I think a core tenant of this movie is that we're talking about pulling characters from places in their life that they are relatively destitute because they are freaks and they're not capable, you know, they're outsiders, outcasts, and he, plucks them out and gives them a work or whatever. And it's so fascinating to me, like halfway through this, as we move through the, you know, the overall plot of it's interesting how they tackle him being, you know, like somebody who takes advantage of people as opposed to building people up because 
he plucks these people out for a very selfish like reason like he just wants to get the weirdest yeah. he's like you might as well you're going to be laughed at you might as well be make money off it is is what he says sure absolutely and yeah just you know wrestling with that idea because i think that is also speaks to the core problem that people could have with this movie and understandably so is that you know P.T. Barnum is a person who exploited people who are freaks, quote unquote, and there isn't he seems way more a savior in this movie Mm -hmm. than somebody who is exploitative. And I think in reality, the way that we're talking about the deals that are set up, where he positions people in his organization and what ends up happening to these people is incredibly exploitative. And that's a f- absolutely fair criticism. And the true history of PT Barnum has to be so, somewhat along those lines in terms of these people. And also in terms of having animals in the circus, it's like that, that had to have been fucked up in some way, shape or form is, is oh, of using, course it was using animals. And it's, it's, it's already animal abuse. Just take, you know, putting them in that uh, position, but this movie you know, doesn't give it full attention, but also doesn't completely blow over it. Um, it, you know, cause in this, in the second half and my favorite song is, is their song talk and, uh, dealing with the conflict of PT Barnum treating him like everyone else has. And that con like that song about their conflict is the strongest part of the movie and where that shift of focus goes is much needed uh by that time it's like the second act like you go to intermission uh either before or after that song because that kind of just re refocuses the movie but um before we do that we get uh yeah we get also the the, 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 the trapeze artists uh yeah once one second we'll just i, I i'm trying yeah. to think of what else there is there's just the trapeze artist i wanted to mention zendaya and mm. I'm, I'm forgetting his name that he's such hot shit right now uh that's what i even put in my uh, notes is that those yaya abdul mateen such hot shit uh, the second such hot shit zendaya too i mean there's like zendaya for sure just a wonderful cast um so you get absolutely you get them two trapeze artists and then also before that is the he's looking for um kind of legitimacy at this point too before the opera singer he he recruits the partner that we're being, talking about, uh, we should Z- talk Zach, about the credit. Zach Efron. Yeah. The, Zach uh, yeah. Efron I'm, send, I'm and sending the it all up. I'm trying, man. <laughs> no, oh, we got, we got, we got uh, Zach Efron and uh, they get their song together. And yes, the critic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zach Efron again, coming back to, uh, hi, from high school musical. I think a lot of people might be excited about that. Absolutely. And and him being paired with Zendaya is such a fucking winning combination and such a smart casting move that I and I just am so happy with that pairing. Even uh, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron together was like a fun little back and forth there song. That was the most like the other sta- side. like stage play sort of yeah. song where it was really just the bar. And it was one of those things that would work well if you were watching it on stage in the in the audience in terms of or like, like eight th- shots or ten shots or something like that. Yeah, and only and three, just three, like three, pot- three, pe- three people. There's like that. very focused on the the blocking of it all. Still visually not exciting. And, uh, no, the, yeah, that's yeah. See, that's where it's like feels that's like very the problem. very first yeah. stage. 
but also, yeah, it helps you focus on the blocking and the performances and what the bartender is doing, but also not much is being done besides just like them being like, okay, we're going to be partners. Let's uh, negotiate how we're going to split it 50, 50. Let's take eight shots to decide upon it. But um, Zac Efron, great as well. Uh, and yeah, the, the critic, I didn't realize who that guy was for a while. And until like near the end of the movie, I was like, Oh, it's that guy from, yeah. Like house of cards. He's been in like other stuff too. And, and he's a, a great, great, uh, performer as well. I thought that was, uh, he looks like kind of an old timey kind of dude, like his, his features and putting him in the beard and the funny glasses and the hat and everything. Uh, but I, I also think like, if I were to give the benefit of the doubt to this movie and how they present PT Barnum, it's almost like how they present it is like, he starts to believe what people criticize him for. He starts to believe that like about, oh, uh, like about, about himself rather than, and again, this is giving the benefit of the doubt to the movie and, and maybe PT Barnum himself is that he is, he's trying to create this camaraderie between those people and kind of lump himself in with the outcasts as well and be someone to represent them. And then he starts his slippage, I think is because of fame is because of the, you know, the, the high life and everything that he is living in. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's a, it's kind of scapegoaty in terms of how they blow over and, uh, when they bring decide to bring them back in because they're just kind of like, it's okay. We thank you so much for everything you did in the past. And we're, we're a family and we're always going to love each other. And while I appreciate the sentiment, the guy, you know, did some him as a person, it's kind of fucked up what he, what he did and how he would phrase certain things. But that's just, yeah, that's where the critic comes into play because he's telling, he's telling him how he feels. And then at a certain point, it almost seems like he starts to believe the critic about what's actually going on. And he's starting to feed into what people are expecting out of him. And then that changeover at the end is him, like you said, at the beginning of this podcast, defining his life and his perspective on it uh, with the support of his family. And um, and then, you know, there's the yeah, the love interest, Zac Efron and Zendaya. Do you want to listen to, uh, you know, any of these other uh, songs like the. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, is it the other side? The other side. You want to listen to a little bit of that? Um, yeah. I'll go ahead and, and and pull it up. And these are these guys are just like I don't know, handsome, charming dudes, like singing a song. Like they're both very accomplished, like uh, musical um, guys in in their own respects. It's like and I, just Hugh Jackman has his own freaking like show that he does at like Hollywood Bowl and stuff, and it's like. The the guy is uh like the perfect casting for this because he truly is a showman. He he goes out and he just does like various songs. He loves that and everything like from all of his past career. And to have a career where you can just pull from your own repertoire of like what you've done in your life is just what a place to be. And he's he just he just seems to be have so much fun and have the energy of a you know a twenty year old for and and looks just just how how he looks at this age great anyways um we'll we'll do a little little bit of this right let's see here right now i put uh -huh. 
There's a devil in his head and me, and I can cut you free. I don't need to bring you keep in. So trade the typical something colorful. Something colorful. Something crazy. 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 Yeah, that's that Imagine Dragons chorus. Mm -hmm. I the side. Ooh, right. Look at him! He's killing it. Light. Well, I mean, yeah. So it's like you get you get. There's a real consistency, at least in the music. So it's like if I'm gonna get a credit, it's like it's it's. But it's also this is another like empowering. Like yeah, we got to do this, and it's the whole movie is just like. Projecting sure. like this, yeah, we gotta do it. We gotta fucking do it, which uh, is uh, catching its own reason. I'm again repeating my own points. Um, so the, uh, I mean, we're. I feel like we're kind of going pretty piece by piece with this. Like we, you know. Oh, I, I mean, I, if anything, we can start talking about like where Rebecca Ferguson, so, maybe. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Williams, and uh, kind of like that whole conflict that uh, right begins to emerge yeah so we're talking about uh what is her name in dune Rebecca oh lady Ferguson? jessica lady jessica yeah what great a, performance what a striking person she is because yeah like she's also in a so, uh, great great performance in dr sleep as a villain oh okay nice um yeah and of course like mission the, impossible come on she's great <laughs> she's great <laughs> let's fucking go um, and so is Michelle Williams. Oh my God. What a treasure of act acting, you know? Yeah. Like her, she is just, um, she's had such a very interesting career because it really seems like she's picking movies that like fit into what her kids would like, but then we'll take like a movie for her and then like bring, just bring it so hard. And yeah, she's incredible. Absolutely, I love the energy incredible. she brings to this movie, and it's it's more pure and not so showy in terms of like uh, a musical. I, I don't know. She she has a real like authenticity to her yeah. that I, I appreciate appreciate a lot, which is kind of like Zendaya as well. Even Zac Efron, like they are more like chill about some of their stuff. Oh. Like it's it's more just like lived in, believed in human acting. And then Hugh Jackman, as much as I love him, it's just like very performative. And, you know, that's who P.T. Barnum is. He's the showman and everything. But I, I kind of like the the right. they seem like. The actors that were more film actors that were placed in, into a musical setting rather than vice versa, it seems like Hugh Jackman has just had so much experience in musicals even before he came into film. But uh, that's just my, yeah, my assumption. Um, but this, you know, there's this whole thing with uh, Rebecca Ferguson where he is trying to get legitimacy he he meets her brings her over from Sweden and she's yeah. slated as an opera singer and then when she does sing it's not opera which I, th I thought was uh oh I would like, love to hear can you play a little bit of that what? yeah because I or to set it up I would just say so it, it it's fascinating that a lot of the front half of the movie is talking about the importance of family because he is singing about what it's like to build a world with a family in it and he has a family and I again I want to just put it onto wax is that the 
a million dream song on the roof in this movie is absolutely wonderful. There's this moon that happens that like, it's just, it feels like a stage. And then they have the, sh- the clothes on the hangers or the sheets on the hanger. And it's just so wonderful, absolutely wonderful, but it all builds up that, you know, we're building a very stereotypical character with P.T. Barnum that he is a man who has a wild imagination and is going to and and a lot of love. Uh, and he is bringing his, his family along on these things. But once we start getting into his like what it means to be successful, then it, it starts getting into him getting corrupted. But it, this movie is literally for like seven year olds where. He, you know, all of the uh, kind of back and forth or repartee that him he has with a new lover is just so vanilla and it is mainly implied. Nothing is really said. And then once we, you know, start digging into that relationship, it is still pretty opaque to anybody that's like, does she like him? Why is the motives there to love him? What is going on? And none of that really makes sense. But my it, god it, it, re- it rings pretty hollow i think you know the the move she does of like kissing him and then bowing out hit hit harder than anything else leading up to it but also to what end i don't quite know either right. i think that's that's a good point of just kind of like this she wants it and then he, it's about to get there they're about to have like he she, hasn't really she, given her yeah but she like makes that move and he's like no and then she gets like spurned and she's kind of the spurned lover and i think that's her way of revenge but yeah it's all it things things move very fast in this and this is a moment uh where he's separated also yeah from michelle williams and and his crew so i think it also behoo- behooves the movie to kind of work through this a, a bit quicker to get back on on uh on track with with everyone together because that's a lot of um i don't know shoe leather and stuff to try to get through him doing all the all the traveling stuff and also cut back to what's going on yeah on at home uh but i'll i'll show i'll play a little of rebecca ferguson's song and then i'd also like to go back to my favorite uh song this is me i think we're around that that time as as well um but this is uh she's a she's slated as a swedish opera singer and then you know he's presents her at a to the critic and and this night of you know legitimacy in his mind for him which is and this yeah you i mean you said it earlier too is like this is a moment where things do slow down and it does go into a different place sonically yeah that, absolutely. that i appreciate but then it, i don't know but then this also the song eventually turns into a florence and the machine song yep but i mean that's i mean that's contemporary it's popular and it would it would play on the radio it's not necessarily a bad thing no it's not i say that with maybe some connotation but i think that fits the bill of like yeah most arena rock or like a, a adele or something like that Hours ago. Still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. 
Yeah, so we got a good idea of that. Oh. That's, uh, you know, and if that's her voice, too, it's like it's another thing. It's like her, yeah, her voice is is uh, is really great. Wonderful actress. Yeah, I think she does have an interesting angular face as well, um, which is great for for film. Um, My God. And then they have their their fallout with this is like things have been going so good for P.T. Barnum this at this Oh, of for, course, for like yeah. a stretch of time ever since he was a child like that child and then they sang that montage song and then things have been you know he had a rough start with like you know we loved what you called it in the paper so we named it a circus um from then on like these these on this trajectory of things things are going so well uh but when he this is the i think this is just the best moment in the movie when he is at this party with uh rebecca ferguson with the social upper class, uh, he rejects them from joining him at the party and tells them that, you know, if they see you here, it's not going to be as good as when they see you on stage. And it just completely fucking shuts them down, closes the door on PT Barnum and gives all the focus to, um, the bearded woman. And I, I really want to say her name here because she is like a, a real showstopper of, of the movie and I and I'd like to find her name or maybe you can find it at some, Kila? some point. Uh what's Kila? that? Kila? Okay. Settle? Kila Settle? Yeah, Kiala Settle. Yes. She was absolutely amazing. This is my favorite song of the movie. Um This is me. This is this is me. I'll go ahead and uh we can play some of that as well, but um this this moment is what and I even like the little behind the scenes blurb we watched before this movie the the maker of the movie said uh this is the anthem of the movie is is this song and this is where it all coalesces for me and to get this other side of things where it's just so smart to shift focus again from pt barnum for a moment a moment to let uh these people shine when he just like shuts them down and shoves them away from the spotlight and they just fucking take that spotlight back baby they take it back and it's just you can sense that the energy everyone is is together and it's not all about the one guy who's who's uh the big idea guy it's about the people doing the real stuff i need to i'm gonna shut up a bit Woo. I'm gonna send a blood, gonna drown a mind. I am brave, I am brute, it's, I am who I'm meant to be. This, this is me. This is me. And this is this isn't a this is a song that is supposed to be empowering. It's got it's got the marching drums. This is a place that would have marching drums. It's appropriate. It's got kind of like some of there's some Mumford and Sons and some of some of these songs too, maybe. But this is this is catchy and it was stuck stuck in my head after it was over. And um really the heart of the movie is is uh is that performance and what uh elevates the movie from here on out. Cause you get this. 
Anything else to say about that before I move on to Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens song? No, 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 no. Like, uh, yeah, it's wonderful. It's like, it's such an empowering, uh, empowering song that has, and like this uh, whole uh, movie and musical has so many of those songs that are just like very upbeat to a fault. I think we're starting to allude to, um, well, not starting to, or definitely alluding to, but like, yeah, there's an anthemic aspect to all of these songs that are really quite inspirational so i don't hate it i i genuinely love the anthemicness of it yeah but, just just some of when it's yeah. when it's too much it starts to get oversaturated a bit and then some of the some of it doesn't doesn't mean um doesn't have as strong of an effect as is all i'd say but um i will show this I don't know. I don't know how much more music we'll, we'll show, but I, this, this might be the last, last one because, uh, I think this is a great duet. I think their love story, um, Zendaya and Zac Efron is also song. where I, I continue to warm up through this movie. The second half I enjoy more kind of than the first half, especially in terms of the songs as well. Like these, these two are kind of my favorite almost. And even the Michelle Williams song like takes it in a different place at least. Um, and then things start to expand in terms of focus and characters are given agency. Michelle Williams leaves him given, given, uh, you know, her chance to express herself as her own person, apart from this guy who's like, you know, big ideas taking over everything with what he wants. You get bearded lady, uh, you know, expressing herself you get zac efron and, and zendaya and, and zac then, efron again back from doing a high school musical i think that yeah. there is such a uh like excitement that people of that generation must have had for zac efron to be in a musical again because yeah, it's like, and he also gets a ton to shine with zendaya are you fucking kidding me like casting. i could just I could just totally imagine that somebody who was in a high school music musical growing up getting so excited about him singing with Zendaya and, and that song is awesome. Yeah. Let's, I mean, hear, let's like, hear a little bit of it. Re, yeah. Rewrite the stars. It's not let's a go through, go through a little bit of this. And then also the blocking of this one of, she is practicing her trap so trapeze skills and so they just start swinging around you claim it's not in the cards feet is pulling your miles away and out of reach they are so natural but you're here in my heart so who can stop me if i decide that you're what if we listen listen to that high note he hits there Nothing be mine. Nothing could keep us. You'd be the one I'm meant to find. It's up to you. And it's up to me. No one can say we can't be. So why don't we play with stars? Maybe the world could be ours tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, I mean, and then she just starts, ooh, bless you. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry for all you ASMR people. <laughs> Enjoy burps or you're welcome. Oh. Um, there you go. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, then she just starts swinging around, and then he's he's doing it all in his tux. I, I think it's a a scene that is also charged in a way that fits within this movie of his parents looking down on him for uh, wanting to be in a in a biracial relationship, and I think it's handled very deftly in terms of tone as well as her confrontation to him of like, you've never experienced this. You will never understand what it's looked like, what it, what it feels like to have someone look at you like that. And right. I, I like that that is addressed and he has, and he is confronted and forced and we're just put in a place of understanding and, and sympathy and empathy towards her. Uh, and then that love story is uh just that much better and then his conclusion as well as a, as their conclusions as as characters is so positive and uplifting i'm so glad i don't and it must be historically accurate too if him some having some sort of partner but i'm really glad that he had no it's a real, maybe it's not either way i'm it's glad not. i'm glad that's how the it's, problem with this movie i'm glad yeah. how it's portrayed though it's like i'm glad that it's positive and that that he has like a, a somebody that he's siring and he's teaching and that he takes over at the end and that there isn't like too much of a conflict really any between them. And he also saves him from, uh, from this fire that, that occurs um, because of the people that hate what he's doing, hate uh, what they represent and they burn the place down. He goes in to save him and comes back out. And uh, you know, I think that forges the bond between them and then uh just keep on rolling and uh you know we get to the the end of the movie let's just go with that we'll get to the end of the movie he uh they rally they get back together they make the traveling circus is it because we've been talking too much about this no you seem disinterested (laughs) no no i'm not disinterested (laughs) at all i'm sorry i was just uh i was just applying to that text but no i'm not disinterested (laughs) Like, <laughs> all right, dude, you are texting in the middle of the podcast. I mean, that's a pretty good sign of uh, not of kind of being over it. So I'm down to just wrap it up with uh, with the discussion of this movie, because, I mean, there's not really many other songs that I would care to highlight anyways. And it just kind of gets to a point where, like, they rally, they get back together. Zac Efron is like uh, going to front him and he makes him the ringmaster. He decides to focus on his family and we get a nice little kind of like you know, the, there's the overture and then there's the, uh, and then you get the ending, which is kind of similar in, you know, they're in the traveling circus tent and there's all the animals and they're singing like a similar song, I believe, uh, to the beginning, uh, or it has the same kind of energy. And then they just, they just send you out in a, on a good note. But I mean, is there anything else that you care to care to share about any of that? Yeah, no, I just F- think fire like- rally ending, <laughs> any of those. <laughs> I just think fundamentally this movie doesn't give a shit about getting in the historical context of stuff. And that's the problem that uh, critics can have about this movie because like, yeah, it is a fun musical, but it's also very contemporary to a fault. And yeah, like I get that PT Barnum as a figure, especially in 2022, like here is the, uh, a, a huckster like a a hoax guy that this is the person we're championing like that would be almost like oh yeah 
Elon Musk is our Lord and Savior. Like, it's just the same shit. And then the confrontations and the things that it gets into with uh, P.T. Barnum and the uh, quote unquote freaks or other cast of characters in this movie is so incredibly light. But. Fun, uh, like, I guess that it's, you know, what it's trying to do is it, it, it's trying to appeal to a really wide audience. And I think it's really effective in that. So, like, the only thing that I would bring up is, is that. It is interesting to me that Michelle Williams. Like, I don't know, like their whole relationship and what that is, is like to me, the most interesting part about the movie, because it seems almost in face of uh, like this more stereotypical or uh, like Disney-ish story where it is a person that is being supported by a woman, whether he is doing the things she likes him to do or not. And it just it came off as really bizarre to me. Uh, and I, I just want to make a, I don't know. I want to make a critique of the movie. Like, I don't, I really like the fucking songs in this movie. And it just like bums me out that, you know, the, way that it portrays a problematic person is not like good and it's all just so by focus group and it drives me a little fucking crazy but like i don't know i want to sing the fucking songs and so yeah i guess i would just pause it to you james is i know i don't mean to be you know not paying attention i was just answering a text but like is this his when this is a historical movie and do the songs outweigh that or like, what do you feel about the way that this portrays a person who is a circus performer? And like, how do you feel about the way circus performers are portrayed in this? Cause I don't think they're given a lot of time of day, but I would love oh, to hear I'd for your sure. Opinion. I'd for sure give it knocks because I find I, I enjoyed nightmare alley. I like the weird fucking side of circus life. And like, sure. I like the idea of that. It's not all, what it's the artifice of a circus this movie portends to be like that's also what happens behind the scenes they're like best friends and their family and everyone loves each other and they're and they're supporting each other and while there might be camaraderie there is also a real gray area and also like the power dynamics between what pt barnum is doing and uh how he is using these people is very like briefly touched on and passed by uh which is why my favorite song is you know uh this is me but then yeah. it does undercut it when he you know has to go when he goes back to the bar he saves zach efron and they're and they're at the bar i think that does come across as a little disingenuous in terms of just like finding a way to bring the movie back into a positive place and wrap it up and it and this being a musical where it is more about yeah i think it wants to live in that place like we were saying, like all the mute, all the songs really are uplifting, empowering songs. They don't really have many like sad songs, really. There's there they have their moments of sad parts, and then it just builds back up again of like everything's gonna be okay, and we're gonna do it, and we're gonna power through it. And then which is why the Michelle Williams thing is a, is a welcome sort of change of pace, and uh, Rebecca Ferguson as well. Um, but yeah, I I, I just uh, I would. 
there's a version for sure of this movie where I would like to see the real shit that happened with PT Barnum. Cause I'm curious about him as a person. And if there is a little, if there was a little bit more, uh, be so you know, distracting dark, dark side of it. That's not what this movie is. So it's hard for me to completely yeah. fault fault it, but also, uh, yeah, I'd say like, I like, I like movies like nightmare alley and, and that, that dark side. And this is just a different version of that. And, uh, you know, for someone like me who doesn't know a lot about PT Barnum, it doesn't really matter much. So, uh, I'm, I'm willing to give it a, give it a pass on that. Um, and what did the critics say, let's find out what the critics say. They gave it a, let's see here. 56%. Uh, and I'll go to, go to some critic reviews here and, you know, sorry to put you on blast, but I was just like, I just didn't, wasn't getting any, any feedback. I was, I was going through stuff and I didn't get any eye contact. It seemed like a glazer over. I got a burp and I was just kind of like, maybe we should just move on if this is what it's going to be. <laughs> um, but let's, let's go on. Simple. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been going all good. I am, I am sensitive that to that stuff. Uh, so I'm just <laughs> hoping there's no one else out there <laughs> who is, uh, but let's start with uh, Richard Brody from The New Yorker, uh, top critic here on Rotten Tomatoes, who gives it a rotten score. Uh, the director, Michael Gracie, delivers quick doses of excitement and splashy scenes, but has little feel for the choreographic action, yeah. offers scant historical substance, and displays Easy. slender dramatic insight. Um, yeah, I think very aptly Agreed. put. Because they're giving it, he's giving it a credit for those moments, and I think this movie definitely has uh, moments that just warm me up and then cool me down. Um, from Rex Reed from the Observer uh, says, "To make room for all the boring songs, historic facts are all but eliminated, leaving only the bare bones of Barnum's life." Yeah, there's some. I, I, I there's got there had yeah. been like some fire. I feel like there was a fire. That sounds like something that might have happened, but who knows? Um, from Ben Sachs, Chicago reader, uh, says screenwriters Jenny Bix and Bill Condon whitewash history at every turn, making Barnum a warm paternal figure beloved by his sideshow performer's wife and children. So that's expressing the real issue with how they portray Barnum as, yeah, almost kind of white savior a little bit, I guess, is, is kind of what, yeah, what they're uh, easy. having an issue with. Um, Steve Davis, Austin Chronicle says this isn't a movie musical it's a las vegas review featuring songs aiming for high rotation on a top 40 radio station one that will doubtlessly enthrall those moviegoers who mistake spectacle for quality yeah and then uh, we'll finish with our good friend peter travers from rolling stone um says Amazingly, a virtuoso hugh jackman as pt barnum spare no expense production values and a score by oscar La La Land and Tony, dear Evan Hansen, winners Ben Pasek and Justin Paul add up to a shrill blast of nothing. A lot of words there. Um, I'll do one more from. Uh, yeah, please. Or maybe two more. I think these there's two here that are good to finish with. Jocelyn Novak, Novak uh, from Associated Press often feels like a collection of slickly produced music videos loosely tied together with a plot we're not supposed to care too much about. Yeah, just kind of moves, moves yeah. some things, the, the meat of it kind of briskly to get to the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, from Karen Hahn, last ones from uh, Slash Film, says the greatest showman is a Connors bobble, which is to say it'll swindle you and it'll lie to you, but it's not without its charms. 
Yeah. I like when critics are like doing that little like compliment sandwich or like they're like, yeah, a little something and they're like, but I didn't like this. But if they try a little harder here, you know, I like that where like you can tell that they like went into it, like not necessarily wanting like already ready to hate it. Um, All right, let's move to audience side of things with the uh, 86%. Uh, Let's check out some of these reviews they are like, like fervent five-star reviews on Amazon for this movie. People like really like this movie. Um, There are 66, 66 and a half thousand reviews total. 87% of them are five stars with an average of 4.8 out of five on Amazon. Um, And I noticed a lot of these reviews have a lot of votes on them of people finding it helpful. So there's a lot of like communal love for this movie, mute movie, movie. Um, Let's start with uh, Dawn's Early Light is the name of this person titled, We Hate Musicals. Well, we used to. Our family went to watch this movie on Christmas Eve. We hate musicals and I hadn't seen any previews, so I had no idea what I was getting the family into. Imagine my surprise when the previews ended and Hugh Jackman saying, ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. I cringed and looked over at my husband. He gave me the, you've got to be kidding me. We paid $40 to see a stupid musical? Look, I shrugged and mouthed, sorry. We only pony up the money to see movies in theaters, maybe three times a year if that. Frankly, I was mad that we had just wasted a ticket. I sat back and made up my mind and to hate it. But truth be told, I didn't. I liked it. We all liked, but didn't want to admit it out loud to each other. We walked out and all agreed it was better than we thought it would be. Then a funny thing happened. We all kept singing the songs. So we bought the album. After listening to the songs over and over, we all agreed we needed to see it again. We loved it and all agreed it was an awesome movie. It became an addiction. We kept listening. And the more we listened, the more we loved it. We tried to resist paying to see it again. How silly would that be? After waiting two weeks, we went to see it again. Now we all agree. Best movie of all time ever. Hands down, our new favorite. It's February 5th, and I have already bought a digital copy on Amazon. Give it a chance, even if you're like us and hate musicals. 1,979 people voted that as a helpful review. People were so happy with how that person... And to be honest, I had a similar journey with this movie. I tried to watch it one time, and that opening song started, and I turned it off in the middle of that opening song because I was like, "I I can't do this right now. And it was a real warm-up experience i think for for me as well and then um let's move on to jammy five stars me too as well yeah i will say yeah for sure Mm -hmm. because like yeah i i was so concerned in the beginning of it that it was going to be stereotypical or just like really devoid of emotion um and more leaning into the kind of sounds of the time but the fact that it wasn't it was was nice yeah um from jammy five stars titled i was dreaming with my eyes wide open like the lyrics from one of the songs this movie this is like a wonderful dream come true i haven't been this excited about a movie in years i was crying throughout the movie from the sheer joy of seeing this masterpiece the whole thing is sensational i've seen it three times in the theater and i'm not done yet I also downloaded the soundtrack in the parking lot after seeing it the first time. This type of film is why I go to the movies to dream with my eyes wide open. 
beautiful. I like that concept. Uh, I love, I love daydreaming in general. Yeah. I think, uh, dreaming with your white, <laughs> yeah, your eyes wide open. I, I love such it. a cool term. Love it. Um, from Denise Sheets, titled Five Stars, fantastic. She says, Love this movie. The music and performances are unforgettable. I've read some negative reviews that complain the movie is too over the top without enough substance. Well, that is exactly what I want in a movie like this. Big, bold performances, music that you can't stop singing long after the movie is over, and dance numbers that make you wish you were a dancer. I cannot wait to watch it over and over again. A welcome escape from today's not always happy reality. Cut to the core of me, Denise. You, you, uh, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> we'll do a couple more. Maybe just a couple here. Um, there's just some good ones. Some, some real, real expression of love for this movie. From Susan Lush, titled, This is so much more than a circus movie or a musical. Remember, this is a movie, not a biography of P.T. Barnum. Let it take you away for two hours into a colorful and wonderful world. Stay away from your everyday life. Kind of like the real circus used to. As the story progresses and you meet and understand the characters, it no longer becomes a circus musical, but more about family, real and created. About following your dreams, sometimes too far, and how everyone deserves to be loved and has a place in this world. Lots of wonderful messages that society today needs. And that's where I would also give it a lot of credit. It's like, how can, yeah. you, how can you fault it for what it's trying to be? Which is like, yeah, it's like you're looking for... That's that's like question is kind of hard. It's like, yeah, maybe I do want some more real life shit about P.T. Barnum because I find that interesting historically. But for what this movie is trying to be like, it's trying to invoke those feelings. Um, Let's go. Yeah, I think two, two more. Sorry, it's just so fun from Michelle Dottie titled. I was not disappointed. This movie grabs you the way only a uh, dot, dot, dot. Hmm. I knew as soon as I saw the first trailer for this film that I had to see it. I watched all the snips before and the interviews. Anything I could get my hands on. Snips. I was not disappointed. This movie grabs you the way only a true musical can. You become invested in the characters from the first moment you meet each amazing individual. Such a wonderful message with amazing original music and spellbinding choreography. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll do one more this last one from jared titled hugh jackman was made for this role and it shows how much he had fun playing barnum says simply incredible i don't believe what the critics say about this movie it is magical hugh jackman was made for this role and it shows how much fun he had playing barnum this is a musical and it, del- and it delivers in every sense the songs the cast singing them and choreography are all amazing as soon as we got out of the theater i purchased the soundtrack again fantastic original yeah. music i can't wait for the movie to be released to amazon so we can watch this at home. Don't wait for the home release. Go see it in theaters. This is one worth seeing on the big screen. I can't say enough about this movie. My new favorite. A lot of people buying the soundtrack right after. Also, I always enjoy on this podcast uh, a review that references other reviews where where this person's like, hey, I know what critics are saying, but hear me out. Because that is already referencing the polarizing nature within someone's review which is, you know, why we're here and why this movie is polarizing. It seems, you know, the, the critics were wanting more of meat on the bones. I is, is how I'm interpreting a lot of these critics that that were giving it a hard time where uh, it had, I, I really resonated with one of the reviews that said it had kind of splashes of excitement and fun and everything. And some of the other critics reviews were saying like it had splashes of, you know, story and stuff that, would uh, give more contextual uh, meaning to the songs. Um, And I think it's just, 
enlightening to put both of these reviews side by side. And I think I got a little bit out of both of them where I kind of agree on both. Do you, would you agree, Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of just, yeah, it's like, I, it's fun to be mediator between the two things, but is there anything, any other comments about polarizing uh, nature of the movie before we do final thoughts? No, no, I would just, okay. Well, yes, I do have a, yeah. An opinion on it is the polarizing nature of this movie, like you've already said, is that this movie doesn't get into the meat and potatoes of issues that were happening during the time in which P.T. Barnum was coming up. So like it is totally understandable that you would want them to address issues that really actually matter as opposed to just being a very fluff piece kind of you, you can be whoever you want to be. but. Ultimately, it's very infectious to just follow somebody who is incredibly driven through their life. And so it's, yeah. You just, yeah, you have to make some choices. Yeah, you have to make some choices of whether or not you're willing to just forfeit. Oh, is this going to make or touch on? Uh, bigger issues yeah, that are happening in society. And yeah, I mean, this movie doesn't it. it, it all of its attempts are very, very, very shallow. So. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it gives, gives more focus to those moments of, of song. And if, if you're into that and the music and everything, if that carries you through and you're li listening to the songs when you're not even watching the movie, like you're, it's a lifestyle at that point, you know, people that are just can, spit all of Hamilton's verses. It's like, it's, it's even bigger than that. It's a part of almost your, your identity and the, the meat meet between the songs isn't as impactful because you're just, you're so focused on, on the music carrying you through. Would you care to start the final uh, proceedings? Uh, yes. El, El yes. So we've come to the part of the episode of you, all you, polar bears all you fanatics that are still listening so we're getting to the point of the conversation that we're going to give our final thoughts our final thoughts are going to be a summation of how we feel about the movie and then scored like rotten tomatoes based out of 100 100 being best and zero being the worst uh just as a reminder as well, 60% is the dividing line between whether it is fresh and rotten. And so, yeah, I will start us off. So I loved the music in this. I just, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to bury the lead because I don't want to. It's just like, I love the music in this movie and I found myself just singing it and listening to it and being so about it. Um, so as a musical, it's just so incredibly successful in that regard. Um, but what I will say is in particular for me, a lot of the detraction of this and where, uh, where my score is going to lie really comes down to the fact that the direction of this movie is not interesting. Could have been way more interesting given that the songs are fun. And the songs are cool and like the songs are something that are worth celebrating. And so as a movie, I just I, I have a hard time giving it a really high score because I think there are better uh, musicals out there for sure. Like not I think, but I for sure better musical out out there. 
but I get the, I can't where this sits. I get where, you know, people can like this music and it could be your favorite musical. Like I kind of get that as well, but yeah, so much of the detraction for me on my score is that there, it, it proposes freaks and uh, people who aren't considered uh, in bigger pictures conversations and doesn't really deal with it. It so much more focuses on Hugh Jackman and there can be to- uh, uh, more time spent on the, um, the plight of people not considered. And yeah, like it, it, it tries to win cachet or develop cachet with people because it has it in there, but does it really represent them? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it does because it doesn't really give a shit about them. It moves so quickly and moves so easy breezy that it doesn't really give a shit about like real problems. It's more so about entertaining and the songs do entertain. And so, yeah, I, all of those things considered, I'm going to give this movie a 79%. Excellent. The great Brandini Barnum, PT Brandini, however, however you want to put it (laughs) with, uh, with the score for the, this very special episode of Polarized, I will launch launch into my review. Um, I uh, refer to this movie as like, yeah, I warmed up to it, gave it a try the first time, didn't didn't like it uh, at the jump, decided to do it, do it for the pod cla- podcast. I'm glad I did because revisiting it, I think, was worthwhile. I think uh, for the most part, it was it was worth watching, especially if you know, before going into it, I think you'll know whether you're into this kind of thing. And this generally isn't my bag, baby. Like it not, it not, it just not, it's not really, uh, something that I would directly be really excited for. You know, obviously I tried it before, so I was curious, but following through and committing to it, glad I did enjoy the second half a little, a little bit more, as I said, when the focus shifted a bit and it made getting through the beginning of Barnum's life so quick with the montages and everything makes sense within the structure of the movie and actually catered to the second half being better because they were able to at least have a a few songs with different characters that opened it up a bit, but it's weak points for me would be, you know, subject subjectively like not liking this kind of music overall. uh, And most of it sounding, uh, very similar to each other in terms of all of it being the empowering, we can do this sort of arena rock sort of stuff. Thought there could have been way more variation within that. If you are going to do contemporary music, you can still find ways to find different, different ways of, of doing it. Um, you know, it's like, I was it the Michelle Williams song. I feel like it almost sounded like a Taylor Swift song or something. I kind of like that. For um, sure. But beyond that, I, I personally, uh, had to warm up to some of this and uh, I think you're absolutely right where some of that focus could have been drawn to more interesting characters than P.T. Barnum in, in like an ensemble sort of way. Uh, yeah. And it seemed like they trying to, they try to split it into being biographical as well as ensemble. 
uh, with with the the cast kind of taking over near the end. But that third act uh, conclusion and conflict resolution was a little like swept under the rug a little quickly. The the fire was something that was like a tragic event that kind of brought everything back together and kind of made everything like a reset and everything. And I guess that symbolically it, it kind of works in that sense, but it just, it just happens so quick. A lot of the stuff in, in between the songs just happens so quick. And then you pause on the song and then not much happens in between. So it's like, it's, it's hard that there's the nature of the musical that, that is uh, inherent in, in this, but I think there could have been more context and more, yeah. uh, yeah, a little bit more dark side of some of this. Yeah. A little bit more like a like a sad song or two that were a little bit more, uh, like yeah. But it, it it takes that darkness and it makes it empowering and it makes it about overcoming it. So it's hard to fault it completely for that either. Um, all that being said, I will give it a seventy three percent. I think <laughs> I think it's uh nice. it's it's worth watching. And this conversation warmed me up as well. Uh, talking to you, Brandini, about about your love for the the music and your energy uh, coming in into this was something that I think influenced um, my own sort of outlook on it, which I, you know, I said about the critics, too, and how they look at it. It's like, that's who I want to be. I want to not be so dead set on my opinion. I want to be willing to reshape my uh, my perspective as how this conversation got started. I think that uh. we did that today. I uh, thank you, and I would like also, if you do not mind, to announce our next movie. Yeah, so we're going to be doing an absolute stunner and classic. We're going to be doing Super Troopers. The Super Troopers 2001 uh, has a 36% from critics and a 90, a spicy 90 from uh, the audience. So... This is one uh, one where it is very divisive, very different from our last movie and a comedy, which is very welcome. I think we were doing some edgy stuff and now we did a music musical. Yeah. And um, this is, if anything, a lot of like a lot of our movies here, like a cult classic, uh, especially the audience score being so high. Uh, yeah. You know, there was there was even a, a sequel made about it that I believe was uh was a, it was like a Kickstarter, right? We'll talk more more about it next week. Um, but like I usually, yeah. The, so uh, let me just do a little synopsis in case you've never heard of this movie. Um, always looking for action. Five other enthusiastic but understimulated Vermont state troopers raise hell on the highway, keeping motorists anxiously looking in their rearview mirrors. Between an ongoing feud with the local cops over whose you know what is bigger, and the state government wanting to shut them down. The super troopers find themselves precariously and hilariously heading toward calamity as they try to avoid extinction. Uh, join yes. us next week for super troopers. Uh, if you'd like to reach us anywhere else, you can find us on twitch.tv slash polarized pod. We do these live streams of all of our episodes. Uh, you can see us on Twitter at the same at polarized pod on, on twitter.com. And uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple. Uh, that would be awesome if you do that. Send us a line at polarizethepod at gmail.com. It has been a true pleasure taking this journey with you polar bears. <laughs> That's the polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> it changes every week. Uh, and, and to you, Brandini, thank you so much for being my trusty co-host. 
and I love you, man. Sorry, sorry for uh, calling calling you out there earlier. I just feel no. self conscious when I uh, when I'm rolling through something, and I just uh, I feel like I'm I'm drowning, and I just want to reach out for a line and and have have a have some some engagement. But um, we are all good here, and can't wait for next week. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the people? My, yeah my definitely friend. follow yeah just follow us on twitter that's the best place to get us uh because you'll know when we're doing these live shows like that's the way to do it right so just follow us on uh yeah twitter yeah i mean and it, it could even get to the point where we get enough people in chat and stuff you know we can start doing votes on uh what movie we should do and oh uh you guys, yeah do that we can have you know segments where we we call out to you guys too that could be it could be uh fun you know and uh we're looking forward to continue growing this uh little podcast that could and uh bringing more people along the way on our uh circus of of polar bears and <laughs> to you i say goodbye farewell avita saying good night Bye. Bye.